In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A new vicar began her ministry in a small rural parish on a bright Sunday morning. The hymns were glorious. She preached a wonderful sermon. During communion, there were so many people that they almost ran out of bread and wine, but the Lord provides, and everyone was fed from the bounties of Christ's grace. She went home exhausted, but excited for what the future might hold. The next morning, as she headed into the office, she was met by an older parishioner who was clearly troubled. What's the matter? The vicar asked. Well, I'm afraid you didn't do communion right yesterday, the parishioner responded. It just didn't feel like church. Oh, she replied, it wasn't right. How so? Well, before each pass down the altar rail, our old vicar would always stop and pray for each person knelt down ready to receive. It was so good to know that our priest cared for us and prayed for us each by name just felt like you rushed through it, like you didn't care. Now, an accusation like this would shake any good priest to their core, and so the young vicar took it quite seriously. She decided to call her predecessor to see what she could learn about his habit of prayer for the congregation. He was an older gentleman, and mobility issues had finally caused him to retire. She explained the situation to him, and he laughed as he replied, Oh, I wasn't praying. I stopped each time to touch the radiator. I had to discharge the static electricity so I didn't shock the daylights out of the first person at the rail. This anecdote, or one like it, has been shared in seminary liturgy classes for decades. It's an important reminder that human beings, especially those of us for whom faith is important, make meaning out of all kinds of things. We even make meaning out of things that were never intended to have meaning in the first place. This story comes to mind for me every summer when we roll around a proper 17. In the collect of the day, Mother Becca prayed for us that God might increase us in true religion. I'm reminded that religion is a powerful word filled with all kinds of meaning. And that even though all of us might call ourselves Episcopalians, each one of us has our own understanding of what our religion really is. Every one of us has developed our own system of religious actions, those things that are important to our life of faith. For some, church isn't church without music. For others, they can't imagine church without communion. There are even a few of you who wish we used incense every Sunday. I know who you are. <laughs> the COVID-19 pandemic has forced us all to rethink our religious habits, to adapt them based on what we think is important and safe and what isn't. But beyond the intensity of these last 17 months, the reality is that all of us are constantly updating our religious understanding based on the circumstances of life around us. 
Sometimes it's because we're raising children or because we have a job that causes us to work on Sundays. Sometimes it's simple things like taste in music. But even the word religion itself has undergone drastic changes in its meaning over the years. Its use in this week's collect is emblematic of that shift. The first written edition of this prayer is found in the Gelasian Sacramentary, a prayer book put together in the year, around the year 750. This prayer has been prayed for nearly 1,300 years. When it was first written, the prayer simply asked God to increase religion in us. But during the English Reformation, Thomas Cranmer, the first author of the Book of Common Prayer, decided he needed to be a little clearer about which religion we were praying for. Rather than the bad religious practices of those Romans, Cranmer thought that we ought to pray for true religion, the kind he was putting together. This change can be seen as an early step in a long evolution for the word religion away from what it meant in 750, as William Cantwell Smith defines it, faith as a lived experience of love, veneration, devotion, awe, worship, transcendence, and trust. A way of life or a particular way of seeing and feeling the world. Since the Reformation and the rise of modernity, religion has become more of a cerebral exercise. At its most extreme, religious practice has the danger of becoming nothing more than seeking some kind of pure theological ideology. So today, when we pray for an increase in true religion, it can feel more like we're praying for our particular set of ideas to be better than the Baptists or the Presbyterians. When in truth, when this prayer was written, it was asking God to increase in every Christian an awe for creation, wondrous and joyful worship, and trust in the God who calls us to see and feel the world in a particular way. That particular way of seeing and feeling the world is summed up nicely, I think, in all three of our lessons this morning. In Deuteronomy, the whole premise of the book is that the wandering Hebrews are nearing the promised land just as Moses' life is nearing its end. Before they enter the land, Moses has one last chance to impart all the wisdom he has received from God. He'll spend the next 26 chapters reminding the people of how God hoped they'd live their lives once they entered the land. But before his, he started, his advice was simple. Remember. Remember that the Lord calls you to a particular way of living. Remember that you didn't get here all on your own, but it was the Lord who brought you to this day. Remember to teach your children, lest they forget. As disciples of Jesus, we may not be called to live the full law of Deuteronomy, 
But in the exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees and scribes, we are reminded that no matter how we live out our religion, we're called to do it not so our actions will be seen by others or not to puff ourselves up, but rather everything we do should be a response to the love that God has already shown us. It can be difficult to know how to live out our faith. Hard to know exactly how God would have us see and feel the world around us. But thankfully, we have James. The letter of James never minces words. It's a series of admonitions to disciples and church leaders alike on how the life of faith might be lived out day to day. The Bible is rarely as clear as it is in James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To care for orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself on souls of Jesus' world. Our primary call as disciples of Jesus is to care for the needs of the world. And to keep ourselves away from sin. In the long run, it doesn't really matter if you genuflect or not, if you like Bach or not, if you watch church in your pajamas or get up early and put on your finest and get here by eight. No, true religion, the true religion to which we are all called, is once again summed up this way. Show your love of God by putting God's will first. Show your love of neighbor by caring for their needs. That's a true religion I think we can all get behind and one I will gladly pray for more and more of. Increase in us true religion, O Lord, for the honor of your name. Amen.